Welcome to the Texas Home Improvement Super Podcast with Jim Dutton. All the best calls this week throughout the state of Texas. Brought to you by James Hardy Siding, the best siding on the planet. Tom, this is Jim. How can I help you? Hey, Jim. Good afternoon. Um, hey, we recently bought a place up in Wimberley. Um, the house is about 20 years old and i uh, been working the windows and uh, just they're hard as heck to open because they haven't been used very much, I don't think. And they squeak like crazy. Uh, and I was just curious if we can lubricate these or you just have to work them to loosen them up. What's, uh, what would you guess? What are they made out of? Uh, these are, I think they're aluminum because they're double-paned. Uh, they're nice windows. They open, they pivot to the inside so you can clean them without uh, having to go outside. But I think okay. they're aluminum. Okay, if they're aluminum, you could you can actually use some gra- uh, just a little bit of graphite on them. And that'll that'll help to make them move a little easier for you. Uh it it is going to take just some use though to you know, kind of start getting things wore in and, and working right. It's kind of like breaking in a new car. Okay. And so, well, could you spray like a WD-40 or something like that, or better to use a grease? Uh, I, I would use graphite. Uh, if you spray WD-40 on there, it will make a heck of a mess for you. And so, and so will okay. grease. Yeah, okay. All right. And I'm basically just smearing it on the the cables running on the side of the window. Yeah, you know, the the graphite will be where you can literally just put a drop or two on there and just run your finger down the side there where where the metals are touching and that'll mm-hmm. that'll give it some good lubrication. Oh, okay. Just uh, where the okay where the metal where the window slides up and down, metal to metal. There. Yep that that's what's going to be hanging on you. Okay, I was thinking the mechanism inside uh, the side of the windows there. So, okay, well that's pretty simple then. Okay. Yeah. Great. Thanks. You bet. Take care, Joan. Welcome to Texas Home Improvement. Thank you, Jim. I appreciate you taking my call. Um, I'm just glad you called. That way I'm not talking to myself. <laughs> okay. Well, I'm having a problem at my home, and I don't know who to call or what's going on. But anyhow, uh, my neighbor has sol- uh, solar panels on his home, and I don't know if this is what's causing that. But when I pull into my garage, my car radio has static. When I come into my house, my home radio has static. As a matter of fact, I don't have the radio on right now, but... You could hear the static. Could that be possibly causing it? Uh, is it possible? Absolutely it is. Uh, was it doing it before the panels were put on? I don't know, but I'll tell you one thing. I noticed he had some pipes laying out there by his house that uh-huh. appeared to be from his the type that they were using for his solar panel. And there was a, maybe this is just all coincidental, but there was a gentleman talking to him. And for a while there, I didn't have the static. I mean, it's it's really annoying, and I don't know what else to do. I don't know if I should call the electric company or who I should call. Are you on good terms with the neighbor? Yes, I am. Okay. What, what I would ask them to do is 
there is a converter you know that takes the solar power it converts it into usable usable power for your home and okay. if there's something that's causing that static that's where it's going to be and so if that system could be simply disconnected turn on the radios and 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 stuff and see if it's working that right there is going to answer the question for you okay because you know i i talked to my son and he says it could be something in your house but the thing you know why is it on my car radio and my inside radio yeah well honestly i can't listen to ktrh radio because it's so now it's so annoying yeah it's kind of like and and the reason i'm thinking it could be in that power uh uh, converter there is when you're driving down the road and you get near power lines and stuff you know sometimes you Uh have a static on the radio his Uh conversion could be causing that same issue can they i mean his supplier can they fix that they should be able to fix it because almost always if that's if it's in if that's going to be the situation it's a grounding issue it's very Ah. minor to very minor to fix but the first thing is determining what what the problem is yeah uh yes we are on very good terms with the neighbor so can he turn off the converter himself Uh, you know i don't know how well versed he is in it uh it, it may be something that you he you would have to call the uh installer for and quite frankly, the installer would be the one who'd have to fix it anyways. So mm-hmm. it'd probably be good to have them out there when it's done. Yeah, I, I just, I mean, they're on a fixed income also. And I yeah. don't want him to have to go through any exceptional expenses to have to correct this problem. Yeah. Okay. I wouldn't think it well, should be real expensive. It should be, uh, at, at the most, the cost of a service call. Okay. Okay, Jim. Well, I appreciate your help, and I'm going to go over and talk to him if we can't get this worked out because, like I say, it's, it's really annoying. And uh, not a I don't problem. have any other problems. Just on the radios, it, yep. it's not on the TV or anything. So, thank you very much. I appreciate your help. You're welcome. You have a good weekend. Thank you. You too. Bye bye. Bye. Again, our number seven one three two one two five eight seven four, and this can that can happen with all kinds of electronics. Um, you can get that problem even from fluorescent lights and and things like that. But the fact that it's happening in the house and on the car radio when she pulls up to the house kind of does indicate it 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 could be from that. But there's other things that could be causing it as well. So. Uh, that's just a, a good spot to to check. And, you know, I should have asked if there's any high-voltage power lines around the home because, you know, sometimes there's the, the high lines running across the backyard or in the field behind a house, and that can cause it uh, because that does put out a, a band of radio waves that can interfere with uh, car radios and, and AM radio in particular. Let's head to East Dallas. Bob, welcome to Texas Home Improvement. My daughter calls. She's got a gas water heater, Uh and the pilot light is not lit. She does have gases, gas stoves, pilot lights there is fine. But the water heater, the pilot light is not on. Okay. Uh, She said she's tried to restart it. It will not start. 
is this something that should be replaced, or what suggests in the possible solutions? How old a water heater is it? I asked her the same thing. She didn't know. Okay. Uh, it can be a couple of things. One, it, it can be just that it got air into the line, and you know, you've got to hold down the the button in order to relight the pilot. And if you try to let go of that button too fast, the pilot goes out. Uh, sometimes you got to hold it down for a good minute or so. Uh, but secondary, it could be just that that um, uh, apparatus has gone bad where it needs to be replaced. But if the water heater is, you know, six, seven, eight years old, then you're typically better off to just replace the water heater. So the first thing I would do before I'd bother replacing one is to go ahead and have uh, somebody who's used to starting the pilot come out and work on it and that's typically going to be a plumber uh, but if there's somebody oh, okay. else that she knows who does a, a work with appliances or knows how to light those things uh, I would have them check it first okay well the first thing we indicated if she just holds the button in for say a couple minutes and if it does not work at that point you're suggesting call a plumber yes Okay. You know, Very good. Well, let, let, let's let's be clear. When you're lighting it, because this one you're saying has a pilot, so you got to turn it to pilot hold, uh, and mm -hmm. to ignition. Hold the button down. You light the pilot and continue to hold the button for another minute. Then you can, after you release the button, turn it to on and and it should work. And if that if that doesn't work to to start it up, then she needs to get somebody to look at it. Okay, and I'm not, of course, I'm all electric, but uh, when she pushes that button, she turns to the pilot position, push, holds the button in, is there some kind of electric igniter in there, or does she have to put a little flame in there to get it No, normally you're going to have to put a flame in there to start it. Okay, she didn't if it say has, that. It, okay. It, yeah, and that's probably where she went wrong. Now, she needs to vent it out good, because if she's been holding the button down and and waiting for it to click and stuff, she can have a gas build up, and you stick a flame in there, and you get a a little explosion coming out. You know, it, it it'll ignite that that gas. So, uh, have a flame ready to go in when you hold the button down. Okay, have the flame ready, and then push the button down and yep. hold it until it lights. And okay, once it's good. lit, you oh. hold that button for another minute. Okay, I will let her know. All right, thank you. Lewis, how can I help you? Hey, what's going on, buddy? Oh, not a whole lot. Just enjoying the great outdoors today. Gotcha. I got a quick question. So I have ridge vents in my uh, on my home, and obviously I have soffit, you know, the vents throughout, you know, a little perforated. And uh, my question to you would be, would it be more efficient to put a little solar-powered exhaust fan to help? draw out the uh, heat or would it be better to force air into my attic to kind of expel that through the ridge vents? What's your idea on that? Uh, neither actually uh, because it, it, unless you're going to close the ridge vent, you don't want to put the solar fan up there. If you do, it's going to draw air from the path of least resistance, which would be drawing it straight in from the ridge vent. Uh, the way a ridge vent works... More or less. 
Yeah. And, and the way a ridge vent works is as hot air rises, it goes out through the ridge and draws new air in through the soffit vents. But how far apart are your soffit vents? So, um, well, from, from the ridge vent to the soffit, I mean, i got to get at least 12 to 15 feet. So that's what well, I was I'm talking about the, the in, the, in the soffit, how far apart are they? Is it a continuous soffit vent? Or? Uh, I believe that there's maybe three to four feet between each little section of perforated. Okay. Okay. So, yeah, that's pretty much what you're looking for right there then. And I understand the attic's still going to be hot, but it's not near as hot as it would be had you did not have that ventilation going. Gotcha. Okay, well, you answered my question, sir. I appreciate it very much. Okie doke. Just a reminder, it's a huge help if you subscribe to, rate, and review the podcast. It helps people find us. Dale in Arlington, he needs help again, he says. What is the device to hang a tarp on a brick wall to shield a home power generator without drilling a hole in the brick? Well, I mean, you can obviously use uh, brick anchors and things like that in order to drill into the mortar uh, and mount it rather than drilling into the brick if you want. Uh, you could also use it on just uh, the soffits and put it that way. Uh, the bigger thing is, though, and I remember having this conversation, you got to make sure to have it high enough that you're not bouncing the heat back down onto things. A lot of times people want to put this over their air conditioning system outside in order to keep it in the shade to where the system can work a little more efficiently. Well, your home generator is, is very similar in that it's going to have an exhaust and you do not want to block that exhaust from getting away, but you also got to be careful that you're not bouncing the exhaust back towards your house where it comes inside the home. And that includes up into the soffit uh, material and stuff because you can shoot the exhaust up into the attic if you're not careful. The generators themselves are made to sit out in the weather. You really don't have to worry about shading it uh, in, in order to make it work better or protect it from from rusting or anything. However, if you want to, you can build a form around it. Use a 4x4 post. That way you're not having to mount anything to the house itself. And they make tarps like they use on pools and, and different places. That would keep the sun off of it, but it would still allow rain to, to pass through. It would also still allow the exhaust to pass through as well. It would put some restriction on it, so <clears throat> you'd want to be careful that you don't turn it towards the house. But I think that would be one of your uh, best ways to do it is anchor the 4x4 posts into the ground. Rule of thumb, a third of the post should be in the ground. And that's whether you're doing a fence or, or doing a cover like this. So, uh, you know, put a third of it down in the ground. And that's just to anchor it to, to give it some strength. When you're setting the concrete around the post, you don't have to mix it. Dump it in the hole dry. Tip your shovel upside down. Use a handle to pack it in like three, four-inch lifts. You put a little concrete in there. You pack it. you got a, a level on there to make sure it's square. And to do that, 
take two washers, I'm sorry, take four washers and two strings and tie uh, a washer on the end of each string, tie the two strings together in the middle. You drape that over the four by four post. So one washer is hanging down on each side of the post. When the post is leaning, the washer will be off the post on the side it's leaning to. So you, you lean it the other way a little bit. When all four washers are touching the post, your post is plumb. Pack the, the dry concrete in there. Mother Nature, with the moisture that's in the soil, will set that concrete up, and you won't ever have to worry about waiting for concrete to dry before you move forward with your project. This works for mailbox posts. It works for fence posts. It really works for just about anything that you're wanting to put into the ground to in order to keep moving with your project. But once you got that set in place, then you can stretch your tarp across there and uh uh like i said the, the those uh ones that are used like at swimming pools and stuff to shade work very well dennis in fort worth we want to have someone look at our home and tell us what we can do to increase our home efficiency we don't know if we should get additional insulation replace windows or something else we don't want to call an insulation company or a window company since they have an incentive to see their product. Well, sell their product, I think is what they're trying to say. Are there companies who will provide this type of service? There actually are. In fact, sometimes the power company does this kind of stuff. So I would start by making a phone call to your power company and see if they have an energy-efficient uh assessment available and if they do head down that road because they the only thing they're interested in is is selling you power and because of how much power is being used nowadays they're more interested in you saving power so they're going to give you some tips down that line otherwise some of the home inspectors have services like that as well uh, and they can come in with infrared and and uh, different products like that tools like that to be able to tell where you're losing energy uh breaker boxes you know they can shoot the breaker box with that infrared and see if there's hot breakers uh they can tell where there's not insulation a lot of different things like that uh they can also do a uh blower test where they basically block the door pull a vacuum and see where air is escaping from the house there's, there's several things they can do but again start with your power company and move on from that. This comes from Ryan in Fulcher. And he says, Hello, Jim. I'm going to begin repainting sections of my home's exterior. I thought I remember you mentioning how important it was to put a coating on some type or of some type before applying the paint, especially where some of the existing paint is blackening, i.e. around garage doors. I was wondering where I was going to apply some primer once I lightly pressure wash the surfaces I'm planning on painting however is there a particular application you would recommend I apply prior to painting in addition to primer already mentioned well only use primer if you got bare wood if the woods already painted I wouldn't worry about adding primer on top of it just go straight to your 
regular paint. Um, and I think the additive that you're talking about is a uh, mildicide that they can add into the paint to help keep it from growing mildew and mold and stuff like that. And virtually any place that mixes up the paint can do that for you. Now, I do recommend using a high-end paint uh, simply because it'll last longer. But also be aware that even though you add that in, as the paint ages, uh, you know, like anything else, that that's a product that's going to wear. And so, you know, 15 years from now, it may not be doing the job that it's going to do that first five, ten years. So just keep that in mind. But yes, uh, I do typically, especially if you've had an issue with that, recommend to put a, a mildicide in. Tim and Champions, how are you today? Uh, I'm doing fine. Uh, got two questions, and probably uh, maybe hang up and listen. One is, if you're replacing tickets on a fence, would you go pressure-treated pine or cedar? And the second question is, on the hardy board, if they have a splice where they have to put two together, is it against uh, hardy plank uh, regulations or whatever uh, that, you, that you should put a piece of felt or something between that crack where they come together? Because a lot of them are just caulking, and every place I've read it says, do not caulk the hardy board in, in between a crack like it. Just put something in between there. Uh, between it to cover that crack so you don't get a water leak and then I'm going to hang up and listen yeah you, you okay uh, I'll start with the hardy board first uh, behind the gaps where the is where the uh, joints are you do use a felt paper that's on the lap siding but if you're putting up the 4 by 8 sheets like uh, the, the stucco or uh, the T111 those type of looks then they do caulk that joint uh, and you can caulk the, the ones on the lap siding, but there's not a need to when you put the felt behind it. So uh, that's, that's where that comes from. Uh, as far as fence material, without question, I prefer cedar over treated. And the main reason, the treated lumber as it dries tends to warp and twist and all that stuff. Cedar stays nice and true and straight. And if you put, like, a ready seal on it, on either one of them, it will help because it keeps the moisture out of them. But the the longevity of the cedar looking good is much better than what you get out of treated lumber. Uh, so I, I, all my posts, the rails, and all that stuff would be treated, but the pickets themselves is always cedar. So, you bet. And... Just real quick, uh, on that cedar, there are different grades of cedar pickets that they sell, and it really doesn't matter which grades you get. They're all going to hold up the same. Uh, same with the treated. There are different grades of it, but they all, as they dry out, tend to warp, twist, and do things you just that don't keep the fence looking good which is the big thing got an email from bob and he has got a slab leak which is better tunneling under the slab or cutting a hole into the slab if tunneling is it possible to pack the dirt back good enough to prevent slab problems in the future tunnel will be about 23 feet well first of all uh, typically it is better to tunnel 
uh, you know, anytime you're breaking a hole in the concrete, you are weakening it some. But the other thing you're doing is, no, you cannot pack the dirt back the way it was. Uh, so when we tunnel, uh, and I say we because Due West does a lot of this kind of work. Uh, when we tunnel, we do put support underneath for the foundation. We we drive piles underneath to support the foundation. If you don't, in the next couple years, you can be rest assured that tunnel's going to settle and you will have foundation movement. But it is still a better way to fix the leak because uh, if you've ever watched them repair the highway where they jackhammer the, the concrete out in order to take care of a section that's broken what a mess imagine that in your living room because that's exactly what they'll be doing uh, not saying I don't do it but typically uh, I'm going to ask you to be out of the house and have your furnishings out because it does create such a dusty mess it gets into electronics and everything else and that silica dust is just not good for things so my two cents on that Southwest Houston. Hello, Dave. How can I help you? i got a question about room dehumidifiers. I've got the garage, which is not air-conditioned, and, of course, is humid, and so I have the rust issues with all my tools, and I'm just wondering if a room dehumidifier would actually do any good. Absolutely. Uh, put You can put one in your garage, and obviously when you open up the overhead door, hey, you get humidity in there, but with the dehumidifier in there, it takes it back down, and it does wonders for taking care of your tools and stuff. That's fantastic. Okay, that's all I needed. All righty. Thank you, Dave. Thanks, Jim. Bye. And uh, it, it, it it actually does better for taking care of other stuff as well. So, no, I, I uh, recommend that all the time to people, put a dehumidifier, whether it's a garage or a shed, shops, uh any place that you're not running an air conditioner, you can run that dehumidifier. Hey, welcome back to Texas Home Improvement. Hey, when we left, you know, I was talking about urethane and, and mud pumping for a driveway. And years ago, mud pumping was used under foundations after lifting to fill voids. And that went away because you were putting the house right back on the moving soils and so it just created more problems than it did good but people forget over time and you know what they say if you don't pay attention to history you're likely to repeat it and this is being repeated this process is coming back where people are trying to fill voids trying to use mud pumping and urethane to level foundations not a good practice i, I have mud pumps I have a urethane truck, and for commercial warehouse space, hey, that's fine because you, you're not tearing anything up as it moves up and down with the active soils. But in a house, your sheetrock cannot handle that movement. Uh, but for sidewalks, patios, driveways, roads, runways, you know, the urethane works great and mud pumping. The difference is mud pumping is made with... Uh, Portland cement and topsoil mixture, and it's pumped under pressure underneath. The urethane is foam, much like insulating foam. It's just heavier, and it's injected and expands out. Uh, both of them do basically the same thing. It's just a different process of doing it. You've just heard the best calls and questions from Texas Home Improvement. For more information about our show, go to THIPro.com. 